Well, hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Conversations. This week's going to be a fun topic. That is sarcasm. I'm going to be talking about mean Christians. Like, what are we, we going to do in 2024 with all of the comments, all of the polarizing tweets and Facebook posts and YouTube videos and commercials? Like, what, what are we going to do? There's so many different opinions, so many views, different belief systems, different denominations. Man, like, what? Well, where do we go? Where do we even begin from the idea to how to process all of this? So in this video, in this podcast, one, thank you so much for watching this. Seriously, it is so fun to me to make content that just simply adds value to your life, whether that's entrepreneurship stuff, whether that's business stuff, church leadership, pastoral stuff, Bible stuff, whatever. Again, this is just all stuff that I'm currently chewing on and processing. I do have a couple caveats as this video is going live really from two days of processing. On Sunday, there was the Super Bowl. And if you're not from America, the Super Bowl is a big deal here. It's a National Football League. It's NFL. And there was some commercials that were posted via a company that I'm not going to mention because I, even I've thought about that a lot. And it's, it's more of just the sentiment of, of what's going on. So just a simple layout here. We're going to go over really like the, the practical solution at the beginning, then give some of my thoughts. Because I, I believe that there's so many videos, there's so many polarizing comments and stuff going on. Like I said, I'm just going to give you the solution in my mind. And again, this isn't the solution for every single person. This isn't the solution for every single context. This is just me processing and saying, hey, this is what I'm willing to do. This is what I'm willing to place into my world. And I believe any of the people that I'm currently leading, discipling, whatever words you want to use, these are the things that I believe will drastically change the context in which how the world sees Christians. Because that's the, the reality is, is... I believe a lot of Christians, a lot of pastors have quality, heart, and positive intent, but they don't understand the difference between audiences. And so really, here are the, here are the four things that I believe, again, are, are going to stop you being mean and also not lower the standard of truth, because I believe that's where we're at. People are trying to figure out, how do I balance the fact that there are companies, there are leaders in the church who are watering down the standard of truth. We believe the Bible is absolute truth. It's not, it's not an idea of truth. It's not one of the truths in the world. It is the absolute one and only roadmap to humanity. And the simplicity of the Bible, if you're not a Christian, is the point of it is all comes to the four Gospels of Jesus. So the whole Old Testament is all a sign and pointing to the future. In the Christian context, we would say prophetic point of a, a beautiful story in which God was trying to give his people a message. All that to say, the New Testament was a rescue mission. It was, hey, you're not understanding how much I love you, how much that I I simply created you for a purpose on a purpose. I'm going to send myself, I'm going to send my son, I'm going to send God in flesh to the earth for all of us. So 
Here are the four steps. Number one, through the spirit. Like, guys, the, the rudeness, aggressiveness, sternness, none of that is fruit of the spirit. And by the way, it's fruit. So when you see fruit, there's got to be something under the dirt that caused that. We would call it a root. In, within the root, there is something that we are developing and it's flourishing and it's being grown out and sprouting, turning into fruit. So when you see someone's fruit, there is something internally, something in their heart that shouldn't be there especially if it's exposed as something not spoken of from Galatians. So Galatians gives us the, the mark anyways of the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is not different fruits. It's all accompanying one specific ecosystem, what I would call it, of one fruit. It's one fruit, all of the different things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness, all those things are one in whole. So really. We should be producing that as Christians. That is our mandate. As we are connected to the vine, those are the things that come out. So if love is not coming out of your tone, if self-control based on a reaction, I'm just going to tweet this. I'm going to post this. I'm going to make an opinion about this. I'm going to say this from a pulpit. And it's not coming from a place of self-control. It's obviously a problem because it's not coming from the fruit of the spirit, coming from the fruit of the flesh. So we need to seek fruit. Number two, know your audience. Please know your audience. And what, what you see all the time, by the way, is there's so much back and forth on people throwing scripture at something. But you got to just know the audience. Like, I feel like all of us learned that in Bible college in the first day, but somehow in, along the journey, we've missed it. The reality is the Bible was written to a specific people. Every single chapter, every book, every verse was aimed towards a specific audience. Even so, Jesus, when he was communicating, he was communicating to a specific audience. For example, we, a lot of people anyways, I'm not going to say we just because that's so general, use Jesus flipping tables as an example to be rude and have anger attached to us. Both those things are wrong. Jesus flipped tables to whom? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of their context. What, what that is saying is he did not flip tables to somebody who didn't have the same moral compass of the Mosaic law. The people in the Old Testament believed in the law. It's all the commandments that were written. And these guys knew the Torah back and front. They were super smart, super intelligent, but obviously the wrong spirit and the wrong mindset. So you see Jesus coming in, flipping tables. He was flipping tables and angry towards the people that were in his house. He said, my, my, my house is not a place of uh, storehouse. You're not going to monetize this place. This is a house of prayer. This is a place where people can belong. This is a place where people can come in and experience me. He's the whole point. So that's one example. Another thing, based on this commercial on Sunday, the, the commercial was insinuating Jesus doesn't hate blank. He doesn't hate people. Because he doesn't, by the way. He doesn't. And as extreme as you want to make that, he does not hate. There is no hate in his heart. What he does hate, though, he doesn't hate people. 
doesn't hate a specific group of people. What he hates is the sin inside of humanity. So much so he will, was willing to die for it, by the way. He was willing to die and be crucified and point to the fact of his resurrection pointed to, hey, I have the recipe to beat this. All the things you're struggling with, all the things that are in the world that are wrong, I am the recipe. John 14, 6, I'm the way. Okay, so Jesus is the way. He is the truth and he is the life. Those three buckets are our mandate to pinpoint people to. So when we have people tweeting out, making Facebook posts saying, Jesus does hate, he, he quoted scripture and saying, when Jesus said, if you love me, hate your mother, hate your father, that was not literal. Jesus wasn't saying, hey, go mean post about your mom. Obviously not. That's, that would not contradict the, the whole point of the Bible. What we, what we cannot do is eisegesis, which means we're taking one scripture, one Bible verse, removing it out of its context, removing it out of the, the pinpointed audience it was supposed to go to, and we just make it this, this thing. Don't apply it to your context. Jesus was not writing to America. Jesus was not writing to a 2024 political system. I know that we can learn and base some of the teachings and the principles on our lifestyle and the current context because we know that Jesus in himself is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So his principles, himself, his teachings can remain the same. But the reality is, is it was not written to you. That was a long way of going to say, know your audience, know who you're speaking to. When you're on Facebook, just know it's not just people from your church. It's not just your family. It's not just your close friends. You are speaking to the world on behalf of the God himself, the Messiah himself. So here we go. Number three, care more about understanding than answering. We got a serious problem in the Christian space about not listening, not even understanding. By the way, they don't believe it's truth at this point. So when we are throwing Bible verses at them, when we are saying, no, this is the absolute truth, that is not helping them at all. And they just tune you out more and more every time you say that. Yes, it is absolute truth. I'm not, I'm not saying it isn't. But what I'm saying is most of the time, people who don't believe in Jesus are not going to say, yes, that's true. Just as much as I don't believe in other religions or other belief systems, and in some people's minds, they think I'm the one who's wrong. That is the point of humanity. We all have the right to consciously make a decision on what we're going to believe. That's the point of free will. That's the point of the gospel, by the way. Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm giving you the solution, but it's your responsibility to commit to it. It's your responsibility to confess with your tongue that Jesus is Lord. So when, we, when we're having conversations or when we're making blanket posts or making hateful posts at that, what we're doing is we're, we're blanketly, we're marketing the wrong product. I'll say that. You're marketing the wrong belief system. You're marketing the wrong truth. And by the way, just because you think in your mind, oh man, this is the way Jesus would say it. What a horrible place to live. You're not, you cannot interpret the Messiah. And by the way, you're not the Messiah. We are human beings. We are all fall short of the glory of God. 
when you give your life to Jesus, what happens is we get replaced by Jesus, by the perfect lamb. So when God looks at us, he sees perfection, which, does, which means that there are some people who he doesn't see perfection in. And it's our responsibility to paint the picture of the beauty of the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel. He who knew no sin became sin, so we might become right with God. We might become in right standing with God because of the person of Jesus. So, number four, find the true motive. What is your motive when you post content online? What is your motive? And if you don't have it, by the way, it's so obvious to tell because what we do in 2024 is we instantly make polarizing comments online to get views, to get engagement. And you might not actually know that that's, a, that's your heart and that's your intent, but other people can see it. And the reality is, is if you can't wait 24 hours to process it, to pray about it, and then to actually make your opinion, because that's what it is, it's your opinion. And I just think it is about the weirdest thing in the world that we all, including myself, I'm currently processing this, we all assume that our voice is relevant. Like, remove social media tomorrow. Who in the world are you actually leading? Who are you discipling? Who are you speaking the name of Jesus to? face-to-face. And if you don't have at least one person you're doing to that, please delete your social media and actually start to sow into your local community. Because God did not place you on top of the world just on millions of followers online. He placed you in a city. He placed you in a neighborhood. He placed you in a region. He placed you in a family. He placed you in a workplace for exactly a reason. And that reason is to spread his message. You are an ambassador, not a general. You're an ambassador. You're somebody who's just going to share the message of Jesus. He's the superhero in the story. You aren't. Your social media engagement is not your superhero. Your pastor is not your superhero. Jesus is the superhero. He's the savior. He's the story of it all. So let's jump into some scripture. I, this morning, was kind of hunting for scripture just to think about, man, like 2024, there's so many hateful Christians. There's so many mean Christians. There's so many people who post horrible things online. I saw a post yesterday. This guy's a pastor in Seattle. He called the current president of the United States the R word. I'm like, dude, it is 2024. One, don't even say that word. Why would you say the R word? Why would you say that towards anyone, let alone a person who is the president of the United States and you are a pastor at a church. That makes absolutely no sense to me. I have no more comments on that. But what I'll say is that's absolutely ridiculous that somebody would be even allowed to speak like that and call somebody names. We are not in kindergarten. We're leaders in God's house, and you will be accountable of how you treat his people, which, by the way, Joe Biden is a son. He was created by the same creator who created you, who created me, created Everyone that you see that you interact with, he was created by the same creator. So I'm just going to read these scriptures and you can do your own reading. You can do your own context. So this is every time in the, uh, really it's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I didn't put any from John, but you can do your own research because my goal right here, by the way, is for you to not just take all this and apply it. I want you to do your own research. So this is Jesus interacting with Pharisees. Matthew 12, 1 1 through 14, Jesus confronts them about Sabbath. They get super uptight that they're not withholding the Sabbath. And Jesus actually heals somebody on the Sabbath, which points to them trying to keep principles and traditions over Jesus interacting with the human being, who they would have canceled, by the way. 
Matthew 15, 1 through 20, breaking traditions. So this is Jesus speaking about the concept of, man, are we married to traditions? It's 2024, just so you're clear, I'm not married to traditions, and you shouldn't be either. I'm not married to methods. We, you, there are people online who have their whole brand talking about the style of church, the style in which somebody is preaching. I'm not saying the content. I'm saying just the style alone. Maybe the fact that I'm sitting in my living room is offensive to you, and I'm still teaching on God's word. It's time to grow up. It's 2024. There's people who don't know Jesus. There are people who are hurting. There are people who are dying. It's our responsibility to be the solution and be the light, a beacon of hope in our cities. So Matthew 22, 15 through 22, the Pharisees try to trick Jesus on whether he should give, give, give taxes. And he obviously questions them and knows that, man, you think I don't have an opinion about this, but I do. And the way he approaches them is always, he has questions to the crowd. He's kind of direct and straightforward to his disciples and the Pharisees and the people who don't know him quite yet, the hurting, the broken, the people who he's going to heal, all of that. He'll usually ask questions to understand them for context. Matthew 23, 1 through 36, strong rebuke about hypocrisy. He's not playing games. If you're a hypocrite, might I say, stop posting online for six months and get healthy. Just stop. Just stop making content because you think that in six months you won't be relevant. Who cares? Relevancy is not more important than your individual health. And for you to live in a place of hypocrisy, which by the way, is most of the time when people leave the church, it's because somebody was a hypocrite. They said one thing, did another. Our responsibility as Christian leaders, as pastors, is to lower and connect this point of my public life and my private life. Your responsibility is to get from here to here to here to here. That's called integrity. You are the same person in private as public. And by the way, preaching on a Sunday is easy. Living a message is a whole nother conversation. So we're at strong rebuke about hypocrisy. Mark 2, 15 through 17, Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors, which is modern day mafia. It's modern day mafia. And he is sitting down, he's dining with them. He's interacting with them. No, he's not sinning. No, he's not partnering with what they're doing but he's sitting with them. And I want to tell you, if you are making content about a Christian leader, interacting, being around people who might not know Jesus yet, my gosh, please understand how else are we going to reach people who don't know Jesus? How else? How else are you going to reach somebody who doesn't know Jesus by just being in proximity with them, sitting at dinner with them, sitting at coffee, hearing their story, understanding that, man, the pain that they went through, the trauma they went through, the, the things that they learned at such a young age, the behaviors that they caught from their dad and living in a place of empathy and understanding and telling them, man, the goodness of God is here. He's loved you. He's never, he's never left you. He's sitting right there and he wants to be in a relationship with you. How else are people not supposed to learn that than just being in proximity? So please stop making videos about people you've never met having opinions that you're insinuating based on something that, oh my gosh, they did this and this and this. That's just gossip. That's what it is, digital gossip, and you think that it isn't sin because you're a Christian. And the reality is, it's not true. We all fall short of the glory of God. You have an opportunity to learn. And if you're feeling offended in this first 20 minutes of this video, just know that might be the Holy Spirit speaking to you about stop 
being so polarizing, stop being so hateful towards people that God loves. So inward purity, Mark 7, 1 through 23, and then Luke 11, 37 through 54, neglecting justice. So we see, honestly, my favorite, there is one from John, John chapter 8, 3 through 11. So women caught in adultery. And by the way, Leviticus 20, 10 and Deuteronomy 22 through Deuteronomy 22, 22 through 24, man and woman, both of them should have been stoned to death based on the law. Based on the law, both of them should have been stoned to death. Obviously, the man is probably in that crowd living in a place of hypocrisy, lying and saying, man, we got to stone this woman to death. It's all about the woman because in this context, by the way. Women had absolutely zero value to society in these people's eyes. So when they're trying to stone, stone this woman to death, they bring, bring her over to Jesus. By the way, they called him teacher. And then you see, I forgot which verse. Yeah, verse 11, she addressed him as Lord. She addressed him as Lord. The Pharisees and all the people who knew the law approached him as a teacher. Jesus wasn't a teacher. He was a Lord. She was healed. She had a repented heart. And she called him Lord. There's a whole nother message in that. But this, the same God, by the way, in verse eight, the same God who wrote the 10 commandments wrote each of their accusers. Most of us would assume, most of us would assume that that's what he was doing or he was, I don't know, making sand art. I don't know. But the reality is, is Jesus said, whoever is without sin casts a first stone. A lot of people, by the way, use this scripture to a place of, Oh man, you, God knows my heart. I, I'm not. I'm not sinning that much. I'm not. That's not good either. Like again, it's it's not about. It's not about watering down the gospel. It's not about twisting scripture, because both both sides are doing it at this point. You're watering down. Man, he's without sin. Cast a first stone. Well, by the way, he was talking to religious leaders, and they just had, the Mosaic law. The man was probably running. He was probably hiding. He was probably in that crowd. So when it comes to Jesus not casting the stone, having a conversation, stooping down to where she was at and speaking to her in a place of saying, hey, where are your accusers now? By the way, he was still there. No accusers were there and Jesus was present. So what he was insinuating is Jesus was not looking for accusations. He was not looking for a gotcha moment. What he was doing was what we should be doing in 2024, stooping down, sitting eye to eye with a person who is hurting, person who is breaking the rules, breaking all of the Christian moral codes and saying, hey, where are your accusers? Because they're not here. I'm not an accuser. I, I probably should be in the same place as you. And in blank year, I met Jesus Christ, the man who actually was a solution to all the problems I had. I thought I had it figured out. And it produced nothing. I found Jesus and my whole life has changed. That's the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is not supposed to be applied to hateful truth. Truth without love is a weapon, right? But love without truth is hypocrisy. You got to have both. It's a balance of both. Jesus was a man of grace and truth. Grace and truth. So you, it's not 50-50. It's 100% and 100%. So please understand the person of Jesus was real. The Holy Spirit is real. And in a place of hate, which a lot of Christians have hate in their heart, and it scares me because there are so many people who will never walk in church, will never have a conversation with a Christian 
because they had so much hate in their heart that they felt, and that's just not the way of Jesus. So the way, the way Jesus talked to the woman at the well is different than the way he talked with the Sadducees and Pharisees. He talked to the woman at the well. He talked to the woman caught in adultery different than the way he talked to Pharisees. We can't just talk to people the same way that Jesus would talk in different ways. We got to know our audience. Know your audience. Know your Sunday morning audience. Know your social media audience. The way he talked to Sadducees was a place of sternness because they were the ones who were supposed to know the truth, but he was the truth. They were the ones who knew the law, but didn't know the truth, obviously, because he was the truth. So when American Christians assume tone or assume they know their audience, that is a scary place to live when we can't even assume tone in a text message. Gen Zers watching this video. When somebody puts a period, when somebody puts a period, you think they're mad at you. So you're, you're, you can't even assume tone via a text message, but somehow you're supposed to assume tone in a Bible. We can't assume tone. Don't ever assume tone. That is not healthy. It's not a place of living. And honestly, what it produces is a fear too, because when you assume tone in text messages or emails or whatever, oh my gosh, they're so mad at me. And they call you and they're like, hey man, how are you? And you're like, I thought you were mad at me. No, they weren't mad at you. You just assume their tone. So don't assume tone. When your instinct, by the way, to go online before going to your Bible and praying, we're not living in self-control. We're living in self-entitlement. I'll say that again. When you go online and make content before you go to the table and read your Bible and pray, that is not self-control. That is self-entitlement. You are not entitled to have an opinion that is against the truth of God's word. If you're a Christian, if you confess that Jesus is Lord and your instant reaction is to go online to make a video about somebody you've never met based on a commercial, you're going to make opinions about somebody you've never met, an organization you've never sat on a Zoom call and asked them questions about. Again, you have no right to have an entitlement to think that you can just jump the gun and not pray for people who are creating content or preaching or doing whatever and sitting in God's word because he will speak to you. Last couple things, last couple thoughts I jotted this morning as I was just processing, processing all of this. God does not care about your tears and worship in the morning when you roll your eyes at your neighbor. He doesn't. God does not care. You're, you might sit in prayer for three hours, close your door, and you're instantly rude to the person at your coffee shop. Obviously, that, that intimacy was an actual intimacy. Might have been hypocrisy because you are, you are creating a lifestyle that does not have the proper fruit to pinpoint back to the person of Jesus. Your fruit always exposes your roots. So when your roots are toxic, your roots of bitterness, your roots of entitlement, it's going to come out in places that you don't assume they're going to come out, but it's pretty obvious. So God doesn't care about the tears on a Sunday morning worship set when you leave and you're rude to somebody on Facebook because you're talking to someone's son and daughter and you're talking to somebody who God created. Anything you watch that makes you feel good about loving somebody less that you don't agree with is demonic. It's horrible. Anything that you watch that just feeds that belief system towards somebody you've never met is so ungodly wrong. Discipleship, last thing here, discipleship doesn't happen on Facebook, okay? It happens at the dinner table. And like I said at the beginning of this video, if you don't have somebody at your dinner table and discipling them, by the way, this is a, this is a whole thing here. Stop 
giving Sunday mornings as your only weapon of discipleship. Your system, your tool of discipleship should not be a Sunday morning. Jesus did not disciple his disciples on the Sermon on the Mount. He was teaching to people who still didn't know him and people who knew him and people who thought they knew him or they thought they knew the law and didn't assume he, they, they just assumed he was a teacher. So when we are assuming that I can disciple 500 people in a message, it's just not right. Jesus had 12 people that he actually walked with, talked with, led, gave vision to, spoke to, encouraged, rebuked. That's the way you should do it. The way of Jesus is this, discipleship. He said, go in the world and make disciples. You can't make disciples on Facebook. I don't care who you are. The strategy has not changed for 2,000 years. You are not the genius to, to honestly question the way of Jesus. Because he had a way. He had a strategy, and it was the dinner table. He had people at his dinner table who probably, in some of your eyes, shouldn't belong there. They probably shouldn't belong there in your eyes, but he did. And he had people at his table that probably didn't even know that he was the Messiah until they actually sat with him. Yes, the miracles were beautiful. Yes, the interactions were beautiful. Yes, his messages were beautiful. Walking on water, that was so cool. The, the, the feeding of the 5,000, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, if you don't take the teachings of Jesus and move it through the coffee table, move it through the dinner table, you're missing the moment. It's 2024. Let's stop assuming people are being discipled through your tweets. All of that stuff's beautiful, by the way. I love social media. I've used social media for over 10 years now. I love it. This video is a piece of content that's going out to social media. And I also have people that I'm sitting in a coffee shop processing with, having conversations and dialogue. So I, I hope that, that this kind of tangent is helping you. Again, I don't have it all figured out. I hope you don't assume that you do either. We're trying our best, but at the end of the day, if you do one thing from this whole video, is just wait 24 hours before you make a comment. I'll share this story and then I'll be done and we'll see you next week. I'm so thankful for every single one of you. Imagine this. A couple is on the verge of getting divorced. Their kids are struggling with anxiety and depression and they, they just run out of answers. They are so nervous and anxious about the presidential race of 2024. They're hurting, they're fighting, their finances are no good. And Saturday night they go, honey, I think I need to go to church. I think, I think we should go to church tomorrow. Let's find a church. And they go online, they search for a church, they find your church and they find your Instagram. And on the Instagram, it is not a place of hope. It's not a place of light. It's not a place of showing off your wonderful family. It's a place of hate. It's a place of opinion. It's a place of mere observation, calling people names, calling residents horrible words. And they go, man, the only hope I had was lost at that moment because I can't go there. That, that person has hate in their heart. That was going to be my solution. So with that said, be more intentional about what you say, who you're talking to, know your audience. Jesus himself is a man of grace and truth. And if you call yourself a believer of Jesus Christ, you should too.